Welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast, your monthly source for conversations and curated content to improve your law practice with your host, Rocky Deer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the State Bar of Texas podcast. We are recording live from our State Bar annual meeting in Austin, Texas. This is your host, Rocky Deer. I have three really interesting guests. We're going to be talking about personal conduct policies in professional sports leagues. And that's a little off the beaten path for us. So I'm looking forward to this. Let's let's meet our three guests. Let's start down here. Hi, uh, Daniel Hare, and I'm from Waco, Texas. Uh, I... Uh, Worked in college athletics for about 10 years in a variety of roles, including NCAA compliance and uh, as an athletic director, and then have worked in career development at Baylor Law School and now have my own uh, legal recruiting firm. Uh, and I'm on the uh, council and now the board, I guess, of the uh, Texas Entertainment and Sports Law section of the State Bar and uh, looking forward to that. Uh, and that's this program was part of that section's slate of programs this afternoon. Uh, so I'm excited to join you and be with you. Awesome. Awesome. And next we have <laughs> Kelly Masters. I'm from Oklahoma, so I'm, That's I'm okay. in enemy territory okay. here That's in fine. Austin. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, practicing attorney. I've been in private practice for a little over 23 years. Um, became a certified sports agent in 2005. That's why you look so happy all the time. Okay, <laughs> I, I got it now. And yeah, so I've, I've represented NFL players, Olympians, a handful of baseball players over the last 18 years, and it's been a great experience. Okay. Well, we're going to get a lot of jealousy hate now because they're like, I wish I could do that. All right. And rounding us out. Yes. I'm Brian Michael Cooper. I am uh, from Houston, Texas. And for about uh, up until about two weeks ago, um, I was a practicing attorney uh, with Frost Brown Todd. Uh, was a partner who led their entertainment and sports law practice. Uh, but as of June 5th, I became president and COO of the American Flag Football League. And so oh, wow. a new league that's starting, a new pro league that's starting in 2024. Um, and I've had, uh, in addition to being an attorney, I've uh, led two uh, pro teams before. I was president of an NBA G League team, the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, who were okay. the G League affiliate of the Houston Rockets, which okay. I know there's a lot of Spurs fans in this area, so i got to be careful, <laughs> careful about that. And then most recently, I was also president of the XFL Houston Roughnecks of uh, the XFL oh, sure. 2.0, and we were undefeated until COVID hit, and no one can beat COVID, and we uh, unfortunately had to uh, cease operations in 2020, but we oh. were really doing some good stuff. So super excited to, to be here and talking about uh, talking about personal conduct buses. So you're no longer practicing law. So I'm no longer practicing law. I how am, much? How many more therapy sessions do you have until you're finally recovered? I think I, I think the, I am. I think I you know I I left the law to go into the XFL and then I came back and so it's kind of like the Michael Corleone like they you know I thought I was out and they called me back and so I think just a few more a few more sessions at this point but. Uh, um, I've been transitioning my clients over to a partner of mine, so it's been, it's still been kind of, it's been kind of funny because I'm still, sorta like you know, once I get a call like, hey, what is this? And I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's leaving me right now. You know, <laughs> that, that, you don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's I don't. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm back on the sports side. I don't know. That's know? it. So, that's so. it. Well, so let's let's talk about personal conduct policies. This yeah. this sounds like. It, were there lawyers involved in drafting these policies? Because it, it sounds like this would be something I, I could see this becoming a overly few. complicated. A few, and, just a and, few, and to where yeah. nobody understands yeah. them. So Kelly, I know I know you've yeah. you've practiced law, yeah. and so you know when you're talking about these policies, who's who's drafting them, and how are they going about putting these together? You know, this is the fun thing to talk when when you've worked in sports and in law. Yeah. Um, 
you can you can talk to other lawyers and they have no idea that the sports concepts that we deal with are they're just normal labor law yeah. workers comp employment law issues i was enjoying this up until now you <laughs> <laughs> ruined it but then we then we make it fun we get to actually make it fun that's yeah. i think all of us have taught right. in, yeah. you know sports law at one point and and every student wants to take the class yeah. because it's sports. they're yep. still yeah. learning <laughs> legal concepts but now they're hearing about things that they've watched on espn and they've watched yeah. on nfl network and so um, yeah so it's it's obviously very you know driven by legal minds um, the collective bargaining agreements um, for each sport, uh, governs everything. Everything is collectively bargained, uh, so that governs conduct. That covers discipline. It covers how how teams can manage the discipline and the conduct of their players, their employees uh, of the league, and then the league. So there's we were dealing with the, even the the concepts of state law versus federal law. Today sure. you've got the commissioner's office that can can bring down discipline and enforce fines and suspensions and then you've got team the team side and they have their set of rules and discipline and conduct as well um, but the commissioner's office trumps the uh, the team um, so yeah. yeah it's it's a very it's a, a legal process it is a labor law intensive process but the, the goal of it obviously well we like to say the goal of sure. having policies in place is to protect players protect the integrity of the game at the end of the day it's all about revenue Right. Well, and, so. and, and that's that was going to be the next question. So maybe, Danny, you can help us with this one. What was the genesis of these personal conduct policies? And, and you know, have, have they always been there? Or is this something fairly recent in the world of, of sports and sports law? Yeah, I mean, and, and I'll let the others chime in as well on, on this. But I think what's happened is uh, just, I think, by virtue of the era that we live in and with social media, I think you know, we've become more aware of these policies um, because we see people violating them. You said it. Somebody had to say it. And you said it. On cell phones and other things, right? And, you know, we just didn't, you know, 20 years ago, those same policies, or, or not the exact same, but some version of the policies in a different era were in place. But yet, you know, you just didn't have the level of uh, exposure to it. And I think the interest in it from the general public and media that you do now and social media and everything else. So, um, and then with the leagues, and I think, Brian, you said this a couple of times about how yep. the, the policies now are having to be written almost kind of on the fly. Yep. And a lot of times yep. in reaction to what's happening and what's, <clears throat> you know, how people are reacting to things that they're seeing. And uh, so it's always evolving and always yep. changing, even if it's always been there. Yeah, I mean, historically, I mean, look, it's, you know, and I, I, I would say, Part, you know, you'd ask like, the genesis of certain things as well. Certainly, in the college side, right? I mean, the NCAA sure. and regulation and regulatory activity was based upon how violent football was initially, right? Mm -hmm. That was the impetus for the NCAA. Um, and so, you always have those kind of sea changes where you have things like that, where the rules are put in place. In the mid '40s, you had, you know, the the, the advent of the sanity code and some other things as well, partly because of what was, what at that point, players were starting to be paid for, for playing. And, um, and so there's always been kind of this shift to figure out how to make the, you know, the, the leagues and the games better. And, and to Kelly's point, it's, you know, at least from the team and league side, it's a, it's a revenue, it's a revenue impetus, right? You got to have uniformity in these leagues because you, you want to have competitive balance. If you don't have competitive balance, the leagues will suffer. You sure. know, if you end up, you'll end up with like NASL in the 70s, right? Where you know, the Cosmos were the super team, and then there's all these other small teams over there, and the league just couldn't survive. And so, a lot of times, the league needs to make sure these things are in place for its own survival, just to say, hey, look, we have to have some kind of equity here on how we meet out, you know, mm -hmm. either regulations or, or discipline, and it's it's critical to do that. And yeah, these things are, I think, are kind of happening on the fly in real time now because. 
given the technological advances of what's happening now with, you know, things that 20 years ago you'd find out maybe on the 10 o'clock news, major, sure. right? Now, you know. Like two seconds later on you Instagram. Know, yeah, yeah. We're, we're all essentially now broadcasters, right? We just saw something bad happen at a bar. <laughs> Videotape. Ten minutes later, it's you know it's gone viral. Don't intervene and stop it. <laughs> yeah, record it. If you see something, record it. Exactly. Look what Don't I help. Look what I saw. To Brian's point about the history, you know, uh, that's a great example. Of the NCA. The other one that I think about is, and I just finished rereading the um, the book on the Black Sox scandal, the, yeah. uh, the Chicago White Sox in 1919, and yeah. um, so gambling has been part yeah. of the personal conduct policies for a hundred years, yeah. and uh, we continue to, to see gambling over. We talked about it today. Yeah. We yeah. They were talking about it a hundred years ago when they. I got the first commissioner of baseball to put an end to all of that or to try sure. to clean it up. So it's yeah. been there forever. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, I think the common stereotype from a, from a lot of us that don't necessarily work in sports is that athletes are harder to, they're, they're, they're harder to, to police in a sense, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talked, we talked just about that as well. And so, so I mean, yeah. is, is, is that true or is that just an, no. an, a really no. unfair, <laughs> very an unfair stereotype very, that's thrown out yeah, there? Yeah, Kelly, go unfair. ahead. Very unfair. And I spoke yeah. to that and, and both of these guys can, yeah. can mm -hmm. chime in as well. Because there's so much attention when there's bad behavior, when someone's involved in a domestic violence issue or there's mm -hmm. an arrest, you know, high profile arrest or someone sure. does something really, really bad and stupid on Instagram. Um, there's, because there's so much attention drawn to that, there's this sort of misconception that all athletes or a vast yeah. majority of athletes are just these terrible people sure. that are out committing crimes and beating their wives. And, and it is such a tiny, tiny percentage mm -hmm. of professional athletes that are actually committing any sort of, of the really bad conduct. Um, that we that we hear about. For the most part, when we're talking about violations of conduct policies, we're talking about much less, much more minor infractions that we're dealing with, just a uniform violation or okay. um, nice. you know, th those types of things. And there's, of course, there's drug testing and there's you know, PEDs and, and those types of things. But uh, the vast majority of, of professional athletes are just that they are professionals. They are quality human beings who have had to work very, very hard and be very diligent for years and years to get to this level. We even talked about it now. You know, there there used to be um, we used to really, really have to harp on and educate players about how their behavior impacted the team, how their conduct, see their personal conduct, just out in the open, how they carried themselves uh, had an impact on the team. Now kids are growing up on social media. Mm -hmm. Right. They're building their brands when they're in middle school. So right. they know that if they do something stupid or get in trouble, it's going to impact their brand. And so they're much more self-aware. Do they still make do they still make yeah. mistakes? Yes. Yeah. We still that but we still see that, but the education side is is happening earlier and earlier. So they so they're learning early on not to do anything stupid. Abs yes. Absolutely. Yeah, to Kelly's point. I mean I, I So they'll never run for public office is what you're telling me. <laughs> okay, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that's you know, 10, 15 years ago, prior to you know to that, I felt like there was more education that was provided. I was fortunate enough to, to be president of a, of, a, of a G League basketball team and then as a, an XFL football team. And both times, you know, to Kelly's point, we never really had we never had any issue with any of the players. And I, but I do think nowadays, though, in the last few years, you really see that the, that the that the young people now recognize their brand and their value in the brand, and they really are doing a much better job of you know they they see the potential revenue loss. By, by you know by not being part of it, many of the, you know, the contracts and endorsement deals that they would be dealing with have personal conduct clauses, in it. and those, quite frankly, are probably just as much an incentive for them also as well, because that's 
that's additional dollars out of their pocket if something happens where they do something that, that, that turns off a brand. A brand wants to make sure that, you know, hey, look, we, we've brought you on sure. to advance our brand. You do something that actually puts us in a bad light, you know, we're going to end the contract. We're taking it out. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah the, uh, to, uh, to Kelly's point, and these kids are seeing it at a much earlier age now because of that. So they recognize that, yeah, as middle school kids and as high school kids, you know, to not, you know, to, to, to protect those things. And NIL has really advanced that as well because now all of a sudden having those followers, having that influence is bringing in new, uh, new partners and new sponsors. And they're recognizing the, their ability to make money a lot earlier um, is also, you know, so by the time they get to the pro level, many of these kids have been already in the spotlight for, you know, for five or six years, they they definitely recognize what what's what's happening. So, speaking of influence, let's talk about influence maybe from a different angle, which is, what do you think is actually influencing these personal conduct policies? Is oh. it, is are they more, are, in other words, are the policies proactively saying here's what we want our players to do and be, to the public face yeah. and internally within the organization, yeah. or is it more reactive, in terms of here's what we think social media will say. And here's the impact of people having cell phones and videotaping us. So would you say it's, are the policies proactively trying to set sort of conduct guidelines or are they more reactive to what we fear might impact the bottom line of revenue? Because that goes back to a point that I think, Kelly, you made early on. I think it's a little bit of both. I don't, I don't, I don't want it to sound circular, but I think that the, the impetus of it is it's business, right? And I can speak from the team and the league standpoint. Sure. You know, you want that, again, you want that uniformity. You, there are certain things that you want to make sure they're in, in place. So it helps, the, it helps the league's brand, helps the league's quality, and advances that. I think what you're seeing more recently, though, is because things are happening so quickly and you're getting such an immediate um, response back from the consumer that there are situations where the league has had to pivot and say, you know, they may have had a policy in place, and that policy is seen to be by their own consumers to be ineffective, like domestic abuse policies that were not sure. nearly as stringent as they were once. You know, we, we talked about this in, the, in our panel, the Ray Rice uh, case where initially Ray Rice had been penalized one way, then all of a sudden a viral video came out about seeing him strike his fiance. That then set a, a, a completely different response by the consumer. They came back to the NFL and said, hey, two games or whatever the initial, just, that's not acceptable. And the league kind of pivoted and, 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 and heightened it. The problem then is that, you know, in, in, in establishing these rules, now all of a sudden you have an original rule that had been collectively bargained for, had been discussed, and now all of a sudden you're now meeting out, you're doing what you didn't necessarily want to do as a league, which is meet out sort of disparate justice. Inconsistent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so you're seeing, but I think part of it is you're seeing more of that now because of, again, because of the viral nature of media, um, it requires a, a faster response, and you know maybe you can't wait until the next CBA to to, to negotiate it with your, your your union. You've got to act on it, and that requires both sides to kind of move a lot faster than they maybe anticipated. Daniel, what do you think? I mean, I, I'd be interested in your thoughts as well. You've been you can't see this from for, for the viewers, but you've been thinking <laughs> while, while Brian was talking. So you confuse thinking with listening. But that's okay. <laughs> you were actively listening. How about that? Okay, don't don't try to play the player. Okay, so, so what would would you say these rules are more proactive, more reactive? What's what's your take on that same question? Yeah, I mean, like when I listen to the two of them talk about this, you know, I, I think that it is both because I do think that there are 
guidelines and policies that, and I think you would find this in not just sports organizations. I mean, you find this with almost any organization yeah. Um, yeah. where there's sure. things that would uh, reflect poorly on the organization if they were to be done. And so um, we can, even if we're just starting a brand new league from yep. scratch, Engaging. I'm sure if you write a personal conduct yes. policy for the American football, and there will be one football league, yeah. there will be one, <laughs> yes. and it's going to have some of the same language probably that's Absolutely. in a lot of the other sports leagues. And it's for a purpose. It's for a reason. Um, and so that's not reacting to anything that's happened on the flag yeah. football field, which hasn't launched yet in, yep. in for another uh, you know year or so. So um, I, I think that's very proactive. And then we, I think as humans, and Kelly did a great job at talking about us as human beings yeah. um, in the panel and that we're all flawed and, and have our <laughs> proclivities to things, which I think one of them is to be reactive. And sometimes that's warranted and sometimes it's not. And sometimes we overreact. And I think commissioner's offices can overreact. Um, I, I think they do that sometimes, uh, of course, uh, but uh, sometimes uh, that's necessary because more evidence comes out or more information comes to light. And so I think in terms of the way it's like ultimately meted out uh, on a specific case basis, we can certainly see a lot more reactive uh, efforts from uh, if it's yeah, a commissioner or, or even a team uh, on a more uh, team-based basis. But I think in general, the policies are, um, I may not agree with all of them necessarily in terms of what right. they're trying to do, but the I, I do think they're from a more proactive place to start with. And then I Got think it. it can become reactive at the end. Sure, sure. Yeah. Kelly, saved you for the last on this question. Because <laughs> you brought up the revenue thing. So I, I was know. like, all right, let's go. I hate to sound like a broken record, but I believe it's both also. And and I'm looking at, you know, like I mentioned, there are the, the high-profile transgressions that get blown up sure. that we focus on for weeks or months or, or years dealing with athletes. And then there are the... The, the policies that no one really talks about or really cares about, like the, you know, whether a player is late for a meeting or loses his playbook or shows up overweight or any of those. I resent that one, okay? <laughs> I resent that. I'm not subject to a weight requirement. <laughs> that would be devastating. But, um, but no, there are, there are policies that are in place for a number of reasons to, to protect players, to keep them, you know, to, this is a, a tough, playing at this elite level is very demanding. The obligations and the expectations on them, commensurate with how they're paid, are very high. And so you have to have a, a level of expectation when it comes to how are you going to conduct yourself, how are you going to carry yourself, are you going to be a professional, mm -hmm. are you going to make sure your uniform looks exactly like it's supposed to, are we going to protect, you know, the appearance of the brand. And all of it, again, is driven by protecting the quality of the product that a business is putting out and are we going to maintain and grow our fan base and one of the conduct policies and I even brought it up in the the panel one of the policy changes that I was all for was when you know for the longest time we were the no fun league and touchdown <laughs> touchdown celebrations were not pro, you know they were prohibited right, right. I remember and when they finally sort of it didn't totally you know, say free for all, do whatever Eased you want up to. A little you, bit, though, yeah. you still can't throw the ball into the stands and things like that, but or do anything that's, I guess, you know, inappropriate. <laughs> but I loved seeing the teams have fun with that. I love mm. seeing players have fun with with having some freedom because that rule. Yeah, you don't. You want to make sure you protect the fans, protect the players, protect the integrity of the game. You want to get sued. But you can, yeah. but you can still <laughs> have fun. You can still have fun, and I, I, I think that you know. So sometimes you see policy changes that are that do allow more freedom. Kelly earlier was referencing um, drug policy and drug testing, and I think that's another area where we think about as a, a as a proactive measure for, with a lot of benefits to it. And I would say, in 
I'm sure Kelly would speak to this, that the players, uh, especially when baseball was going through this uh, about 10 years ago, I mean, most of the players want a drug policy. Like, they, the, those are, most of the players are not using performance-enhancing drugs and don't want to have to go against people that are using performance-enhancing drugs. And so, and so from a league standpoint, it's good to protect the brand and the product by having a clean game that we can compare stats and numbers, especially in baseball. Um, but then so many of the players want it too. Now, what it actually is and then how it's enforced. I mean, that's yeah. where it can get a little slipperier, slipperier and yeah. messier. Indeed. But the idea of having the policy itself, again, proactive uh, from that standpoint. So, yeah. yeah. We'll have to talk again at some point when you guys come back and know a little bit more about the North American Cricket League that hey. is apparently oh. about oh. to take over. <laughs> We're going to have one of those teams going to be in Grand Prairie, Texas. Yep. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a real yeah. thing. Me and yeah, all yeah, my, yeah. Me and all my Indian relatives yeah. were like, yes, the, uh, cricket, finally, it's going to happen. The, uh, the, so, uh, <laughs> the president of the 49ers is a big investor in it. I'm telling yeah. you, this is really? okay. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's huge. How am I so behind yeah. on this? I don't know. I, I thought get, you were going to throw pickleball at us. No, no. We've already moved to cricket. No, no. Badminton <laughs> probably down the road. But let's <laughs> yeah. see. Well, guys, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. I want to I want to thank our guests. So, Daniel, Kelly, Brian, thank you guys. Thank you for being here. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having us. Now, if our listeners have questions, they want to follow up, they want to get involved, what's the best way to reach you? So, Daniel, let's start with you. Sure. I'm pretty active on both Twitter at Daniel Hare and LinkedIn. I think it's also Daniel Hare there. So <laughs> either one of those, uh, you can find me and I'm happy to engage. Interact. Okay. Yeah. Very well. Best place to find me is Instagram. I have a link tree there with all my other accounts and I, I, you know, for better or for worse, I have a lot of clients to follow and I have a lot of stepchildren. And so I have to be on Instagram. It's just required. So I'm at Kelly Masters, Kelly with an I, Masters like the golf tournament. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and I, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn and I'm I'm built I'm rebuilding Twitter and, and Instagram and so um, I can be reached on all and uh, ultimately you know I'm hope, looking forward to folks hopefully following our league here in uh, next year it's uh, again American Flag Football League or uh, AFFL.com. Well, very well, well guys. That is all the time we have for this installment of the State Bar of Texas podcast. I want to thank our guests of course for joining us. Thank you guys and also want to thank you for listening in and tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm Rocky Deer, your host. Until next time, thank you for joining us. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Go to TexasBar.com slash podcasts. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find both the State Bar of Texas and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the State Bar of Texas, Legal Talk Network, or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.